Hey all you heavenly humans, I'm Mandile and welcome to And Other Things, a podcast about navigating life, learning from past experiences, embracing growing pains and laughing along the way. Meet me right here every week for thoughtful conversation, challenging discussion and an all-round great time. It's a very special Monday because today is the first official and other reads discussion. So if you missed the news and other reads is the name of the and other things book club and our first read for this month is A Woman is No Man by Etuf Rum which I will be discussing with a previous and other things guest and my dear friend Nadine. But before we get into that, I wanted to let you all know that the second book club pick, I can't believe I'm even saying that, for the end of March is Transcendent Kingdom by Ya Jassy. I am so, so excited to dive into that book because I read her debut novel, Homegoing, which was phenomenal. So I have really high expectations for Transcendent Kingdom. A link to that book will be in the show notes. Okay, back to this month's pick. So the author of A Woman Is No Man, Etaf Ram, is a Palestinian-American novelist and the child of Palestinian immigrants. She was born and raised in Brooklyn, which is actually the primary location of the story. And she now lives in North Carolina with her two adorable children, I follow her on Instagram, which is how I know her children are adorable. Also, A Woman Is No Man is her debut novel. And I'm always so, so impressed when an author's debut work is a bestseller, which this book was. And it's almost really intimate, if you will, to be able to read a writer's first work. So that's really awesome that we get to do that together. And last thing before we get into the discussion, I'll just read a quick shortened version of the book's blurb. So three generations of Palestinian American women in contemporary Brooklyn are torn between individual desire and the strict mores of traditional Arab culture. The book deals with so, so many themes like immigration, generational trauma, abuse, so trigger warning there, multicultural living etc etc so if you read along i truly hope you enjoy the book as much as nadine and i there's so much to unpack so let's get right into the first and other reads a book club discussion so excited Nadine! Hi, girl! (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Wait, 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 wait. Let's start again. You need to match my energy, okay? (laughs) You gotta match my energy. Okay, okay. Let's try again. Let's try again. Okay. I'm prepared. Okay, let's go. Nadine! Hey, girl! What's up? What's up? How are you doing? Uh, we just started school, so we're doing it. The online mm. situation. Yeah. You know, pushing through, fun and games. Yes, that's good. You're almost there. You're almost there. Senior year, uh, you'll be done soon. Thank God. <laughs> yes. Well, I want to thank you for agreeing to come onto the podcast again. You are officially... 
our first, or I should say my, my first repeat guest. You are an honorary and other things co-host. I know. Yeah, you're basically a co-host, honestly. So I want to thank you for coming on to discuss the first official book of the And Other Reads book club. And we're going to be talking about A Woman is No Man, such a powerful novel by Etaf Rum. Okay, so to start off, can you tell the listeners what the book is about in a very brief way? Okay, the book has this kind of coming of age-esque situation going on, but it's in a way that it tells two stories, I think coming of age um the mothers Isra and the daughters Dea and then it also gives the perspective of the grandmother Farida who is watching both of these women grow into themselves and like Mm -hmm. you know become women basically um and learn what it means to be a woman in the world and also the whole central thing like learning that a woman is not a man (laughs) And, you know, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> it's different for us. Um, yeah. And the book talks about the mother's journey coming to America. The mother comes from Palestine. She gets married to this, this guy, Adam, and moves with him to his and his family to Brooklyn. Right? Brooklyn? Yeah, right? Brooklyn. Queens? Brooklyn. Brooklyn? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their shop was in Queens. Mm. And, ooh, you get in the details. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, and she's, you know, exploring what it means to now be in America and, like, be a woman in America. And she's like, is this going to be different? Like, Mm. how's marriage going to be? How's my family going to be? And she's, you know, navigating. And, you know, things don't necessarily turn out to be how she exactly imagined them. And then we also get the perspective of her daughter. um, As her daughter is, like, a teenager and growing up almost about to be that age where she might be married off and it's like okay now her her daughter's perspective what is her daughter thinking about getting married you know what is she thinking about her parents what is she thinking about possibly getting married to a stranger and like going to live a life possibly similar to her mother's that she feels or like fears was you know not the best Mm. so yeah and the grandmother you know just watching all this hiding things yeah you know trying to keep the family together as well she really she just wanted to like do what she thought was right and unfortunately she's gone through a lot and because of that i think people don't see the good in what she's trying to do because she comes off as too aggressive or you know whatever Mm. but yeah that's my general summary of the book if I was to tell somebody to read it yeah yeah so rate the book out of 10 and then give us some of your initial thoughts what you thought about the book so rating wise I feel like it's so hard to rate something I hate doing doing that because I don't think it you know gives you enough so I like that you're asking yeah. me to give my other thoughts but I think I'm maybe between an 8 and a 9, so probably like an 8.5 maybe. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's out of 10, okay. so 8.5, yeah. I think initially when you first like asked me if I wanted to read the book and I saw the title, I was like, mm, what is this about? <laughs> just yeah. Just the title was just like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so I was interested, and then when I read the blurb and everything, I didn't really, I wasn't too intrigued by the blurb to be honest like Mm. it didn't really make me want to read the book and then when I actually started reading the book I was like oh my gosh this is great this is um like this is relatable this is moving this is this is everything I really I think I really enjoyed it um it made me um think a lot about my own life and my own fears and things that I've allowed to make me like afraid and hold myself Mm. back um my my community societal worries that I allow to sometimes guide my life but also hold hold me back from doing the things that I think are part of my purpose and like what I should really be doing in life so Mm. 
it was interesting hearing hearing the different perspectives as well of everybody going through um this similar journey the grandmother the mother um the daughter and just seeing you know where they were coming from where they were what they were all trying to do and sometimes how different what they believed that they were doing looked from another person's perspective um yeah I think it really gives these types of books where they give you different people's perspectives really help you to understand other people better and give people grace sometimes because you really don't know what someone's going through or what's going through their yeah. mind. Like, yeah, oh, I'm just thinking of the <laughs> the throwing herself down the stairs scene. I'm just like, oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah, no, the perspective point that you made was one of the reasons why I gave it a 10 out of 10 I don't know if I'm being too lenient but I really really loved this book and first like you said the fact that it's written from the perspective of so many well three main people but we also get to know about other people as well um I just felt like it drew me in at every single page there wasn't a page where I was like oh I just want to get to the next story and I really liked how the so for those who haven't read the book I mean I'm not sure if anyone who's listening hasn't read the book but if you haven't um the way that she writes is she writes different chapters from the perspective of three different women so it's like a mishmash of timelines and then a mishmash of voices and what I noticed that as the book went on the chapters got shorter so for me it was almost like Mm. this point of convergence like towards the end where it was like Mm. really long really long really long at the climax exactly and then they got shorter and shorter so it was kind of like pacing you to get to the point where you know things sort of erupt or everything when you're kind of like oh this is what's been happening um but I I also really love that she used Arabic words and explained she explained that at the beginning but then as Mm -hmm. she continued to use them she wouldn't explain what that word meant and that was kind of like a way to bring us into her culture I just thought that was really nice because a lot of writers don't explain the words or maybe some over explain the words they'll keep explaining the words some people will put Mm -hmm. like a lexicon at the beginning or at the end so you have to keep flipping back to look but I felt like she was using the words in a way that made you feel like you understood what that word yeah plus you can definitely go look it up if you're really that interested which is what like I just took notes of the words I was like oh this is interesting I want to like look this up later if you're really that interested yeah I find the point that you made about the audio interesting because oh not the audio the length (laughs) Because I listened to the book in audio version, guys, and then Mandili did in, um, she read it. Yes. Um, I just find that interesting because I don't think I actually noticed that at first. Mm. But now that you're saying it and I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, I think that's true. Because I at some point I was like, oh, this is so long. Because I was just like, this is a really long book and there's so many chapters. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to find the time to listen to all of yeah. this. Um. But yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think this author did such a great job of writing simply, but the book was complex in how it tackled the overarching themes of the story. So what are some of the themes that you noticed or what what do you think the book was about? If you could give, I don't know, three or four different themes. feel pressure the book was about so many different things so I'm just feeling pressure about like what I noticed yeah no Um, I mean it's all from your perspective right that's the thing with books it's about what you got from it yeah I think for me when I like especially in the beginning of the book it seemed to be about shame in some ways Mm. like there was a big thing on shame um shame culture uh, just also secrecy like ha- how secrecy and shame are connected because yeah. I really saw that in like the home life and mm. um, just how they would interact with each other and interact with the community their community the Palestinian community in New York it was just interesting that concept 
uh, another thing was like this whole thing of like helpless helplessness versus hopeless being hopeful mm. so being feeling helpless yet still feeling hopeful yeah. there was so much hope in the book yeah it was crazy like the mother and the daughter Isra and um Dea both had so much hope even though they felt so helpless the um it was interesting to see that dynamic between mm. them and how their light their lives really resembled each other in their pursuit of um of just yeah to live a life that they truly desired and truly enjoyed yeah i i like the themes that you brought up and one thing that i noticed is that there's a lot of abuse which Mm, is why this book can be really really triggering and then another theme that i there was a lot of well first there was i felt like there was a lot of talk about generational trauma and how mm, yeah. things experienced by one person, like Farida, can be passed on to Istra, can be passed mm-hmm. on to Dea. And, oh, we forgot to mention Sarah, who, although the oh, book is not yeah, written yeah. from her perspective, she is a key character mm-hmm. in the book. She's and important. she really does play, yeah, a pivotal role. And there's also, like, the navigation of being an outsider, so being of a different culture and what it means to assimilate versus keeping your culture why it's mm-hmm. important to keep your culture and what it actually means like what does culture mean because there was also you know, this kind of feeds into another and tradition theme, which is, like when when exactly. is tradition like truly something that needs to stay a part of the culture and when is it something that maybe needs to change over yeah. time some things need to be let go because generational trauma (laughs) exactly yeah a lot of the traditions that they continued were a little bit um problematic so it's also the question of when does tradition go too far you know when is tradition harmful um there was also a theme that i feel like it was lightly touched on but it was also a very central um key like key of the book in order to talk about like the women's in the book's lives right yeah um this whole thing of like men and the trauma men go through and the societal and traditional cultural standards that men have to uphold that literally hurts everybody it hurts them it hurts the women in their lives it hurts the kids it hurts everybody um and just seeing that and like how yeah how that looked in like the life of adam and the the grandfather the what was a move his name was khaled how khaled mm-hmm. okay yeah thank you yeah that was that's a really good point it was even though well the title is a woman is no man but i think even though the book was written from the perspective of the women it was very clear that the men were playing a role in the shaping of the stories of those women and there's a lot that can be said about how toxic that is but also how important it is to teach men vulnerability because when I feel like there was a lot of displays of toxic masculinity and I hate to use that western phenomenon to talk about a Palestinian family um, but I just felt like yeah there was a lot of discussion about the traditional gender roles and then also the last theme that I forgot to mention the difference between culture and religion I felt like that mm-hmm. was a really important thing. And I think as a Christian, I can definitely testify to kind of having a conflict between the difference between culture and religion. Um, okay, now let's get into some of the standout moments or any quotes that stood out to you. You can go first. So the first thing that really stood out to me was the exact I think it was the first line in the book where she says, where I come from, we've learned to conceal our condition. We've been taught to silence ourselves, that our silence will save us. Oh, Oh, let me just tell you, when I read that, I was like, triggered. (laughs) Oh, like this book is about to be intense. Like I could just feel it. And that was so, so powerful, especially because the okay she's talking about silence right but she's i'm just so excited by so excited she was writing a book which means she's broken a code of silence she has Mm -hmm. betrayed 
her culture not okay i'm speaking from the perspective of she's the author the who's written the book exactly she's broken like the norms the unsaid rule exactly but also the people the characters in the book are part of breaking that story breaking that code of silence right i just thought that that and was some so of them powerful. Are part of upholding it exactly exactly some of them are a part of upholding it and i felt like there's so much power in the irony of starting a book with where i come from we've learned to conceal our condition we've been taught to silence ourselves and that's the author writing that i feel like there's so much power in talking about silence while breaking silence so i just really love that (laughs) anything that stood out to you yeah so the quote that i think really got like one of the ones that i really liked because i was like yeah that's so true (laughs) sometimes is um one of the times where dea goes to visit sarah in the bookstore and she's telling her you know things about her parents and you know helping trying to help her and dea finds out that her mom used to love to read and she's like whoa like what are the odds that you love to read my mom loved to read i love to read like all three of us and sarah's like actually it's not that odd and she was like the loneliest people tend to like gravitate towards books and usually are like reading and and like when she said that i was like oh wow that is so true just because sometimes it's easier to like exist with a book and in a book than in real life because life can be really hard sometimes and for me books have always been a really good place to like (laughs) run away to when life gets really hard sometimes I think as I've gotten older I've tried to like make it a place that I enjoy and just can go there and enjoy myself when life is hard and not run away too because that's kind of unhealthy (laughs) but um yeah I could really relate to that and I thought that that was really interesting that the writer wrote that Mm. I I wonder what her experience with books has been yeah that's a good observation and actually a fun fact for the listeners the writer the author itaf ram she actually has an instagram book page called books and beans which is the name of the bookstore in the book so oh as yeah the, yeah <laughs> okay yeah so there's actually a lot of and i find this in a lot of fiction books um maybe not all of them but this one especially If you know the author's story, you can see parts of themselves, either Mm -hmm. in the characters or in little clues here and there. And the author, who is also Palestinian, as you heard in the intro, um, she tells a bit of her story in the book. I'm not going to say exactly where because I don't know her full story, but the characters are reflected um. Or she is reflected in the characters, rather. So as you were saying that, you know, the the loneliest people gravitate towards books, that may be something that she is actually feeling. And yeah, I do agree that books are definitely a sanctuary. And that's something that I noticed in the in the in the book um, is that Isra, Dea, Sarah, they were all looking for a sanctuary and they found that in the books. And Isra was Mm -hmm. trying to give that to her children as well. So when she would read to them at night, that was her way, not only of escaping from her reality, mm-hmm. but giving them something to hold on to other to. than... Exactly. I just found it so interesting that... I, f- I feel like it's hard for me sometimes because like this is a book and this is a writer who wrote this and made it to be so. But I'm sure in real life, things like this can also happen where yeah. it's like, okay, the mother was trying to do this nice thing for her kids and make it like, okay, this is the one time that I can actually enjoy myself and be with you guys and truly be a happy mother with you guys since she yeah. really struggled so much um, with happiness and not even happiness, just but just being content in her life and that re- that time where she was able to read for herself and for for her kids was the only time that she was really happy for most of her time while she was there yeah and 
the fact that they remembered that as like yeah this is the best time that i remember having with my mother the mm. times where we would read together this was that yeah. was her time in her mind that she actually remembered yeah my mom was happy here i was happy here we were all happy yeah so seeing how that those like perspectives linked there was really interesting that yeah that's actually what she did remember in real life talk about womanhood in this book and I have two quotes that relate to womanhood that I thought were really interesting well actually maybe three um but there was one part when the author said Isra didn't understand why would anyone want to be a woman when she could be a bird I thought this line was so powerful and I I I don't remember exactly where in the book this was but I thought this was a really poignant line because what she's saying from my perspective is why would anyone want to be trapped when they can be free yeah so when she said the thing about being a bird that really broke my heart because for me to be a woman is not obviously there are challenges but I do not resonate or the the idea of womanhood that is presented in this book I don't resonate with it so it was really humbling for me to be able to hear that line specifically because I was like wow I am in a very fortunate position to be able Mm -hmm. to be a woman and still do things that I want to do I can really relate to that because for me as I was listening and like reading listening to Dea's experience in want and and yeah Dea's experience in wanting to go to college and um Ezra's experience like when she was first in Palestine wanting to read and her mom like being like no don't read girls don't read and I think once she said oh they had guests coming over and she said oh like put that book away um it'll fill your mind with like fluff or something like that Mm. and I was just like what (laughs) fluff (laughs) And just thinking about the fact that both of them had this desire for knowledge and they just wanted to know more and they wanted to, you know, learn and they weren't allowed. And I'm like over here complaining about college and how hard (laughs) things are and how difficult everything is. And it's like, no, you actually need to be grateful for this privilege because not everybody has the opportunity to pursue learning to actually Mm. you know do the things that they want to do with their their mind and their brains that are very capable so it really made me think about my privilege in Mm. being able to pursue my education regardless of difficulty it is a privilege and it is something that I should keep in mind sometimes to push me along the way that you know others can't do this so you know if you don't want to do it figure yourself out if you do come on gotta get into this yeah 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 that was yeah I definitely felt like that it made it put it put things into perspective and I think it goes back to what we're talking about being able to see the book from three different sets of eyes you know books already give you a different perspective when it's just one character or from one person's perspective but the fact that we got to know three different women at three different stages of life who have all experienced three different um lives or past lives you know Farida um I would consider Farida like OG Palestinian like she really held on to her culture and then Isra was kind of teetering the in-between she was she liked some things about her culture but she was really struggling because what she didn't like she couldn't get rid of and she Mm. I feel like she had a lot of internal conflict whereas Dea was very clear like I do not like this I want to let this go I want to go to college there was clarity but it was interesting because one with one perspective there was clarity for Dea but with her Mm. mom there wasn't really that clarity of what to do I think because of um the cultural difference and she just didn't know how to navigate America exactly yeah and but but for both of them the same theme that you know resided was the fact that they just didn't know how to get out of their situation 
even yeah. with even with Dea's ability to like you know I know how to navigate America even though she was quite sheltered in the sense that she had never even you know used a subway before her first yeah. meeting with Sarah she could have still yeah. figured it out it would have been okay yeah um yeah and you know when Sarah's asking her what are you afraid of what's the worst thing that can happen are you mm. what is it you're afraid of are you afraid to get a slap for your freedom like she actually said that what are and you know as she kept asking that question I was just like it's so true sometimes nothing truly horrible can happen but we're so afraid we sit so heavily in this fear and I know for me um I I've been like lately I've been experiencing anxiety like when I got to college I started to realize okay I have like an anxiety issue here and um I think that has really caused a lot of fear for me in tasks like even daily tasks sometimes like it's like oh sending an email I don't even want to send it because I feel like oh something's wrong with the email but really the email is fine (laughs) there's nothing there's no problem um yeah and then it leads into bigger things and it's like nothing truly horrible can happen it it might be hard but you will be okay Mm. um and she tells her that um what are you afraid of? Like, you know what you can do. You, you can apply to college and you can get in and you can get, um, you know, f- scholarships and all that stuff and you'll be okay. You can get housing and I'm here for you as well. And yeah. she was just like, no, like, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And then finally she was like, oh, I think um, Sarah was telling her something about the mother and she was like, why couldn't my mom escape the situation? My mom should have left. And then Sarah was like, you see, even if you think that your mom could have escaped the situation as somebody who had just entered the country, didn't even know anything, had never left, not never, but really never left the house, didn't know the outside world, um, then you can definitely do something is what Mm. she kind of realized that yeah i can it's just my my own mind and my limiting belief systems that are holding me back Mm. which i think a lot of us in time realize that it's really our belief systems that hold us back Mm. snaps to that i love that um and i want to focus on farida because we've talked a lot about isra and Dea. farida is Ugh, she was the character that most irked me. I was so mad at her all the time. I just felt like she she was really rooted in her culture, in her tradition. And there's this one line that said, Farida knew that no matter what any woman said, culture could not be escaped, even if it meant tragedy, even if it meant death, which was that, ugh, that line yeah, was really... That's crazy yeah exactly crazy I can't think of another word so like you would die for this (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's how important it was to her at the same time even though she was doing things out of culture I felt like remember how she kept saying she was being punished by the jinn and that's why her daughter that's why the religious aspect of it yeah that's why Isra was um being that's why Isra was like mentally ill yeah and kept getting baby girls you know what pisses me off about those types of situations is scientifically okay this is not a religious thing but just like if we're trying to look at like who's getting how are the boys created men are the ones who have the chromosomes to create the boys so (laughs) technically it's the boy the guy's fault if there's no boy coming up it's the guy's fault it's not the woman's fault and you're over here shouting at these poor ladies um particularly Isra that she needs to have a baby boy and she's just here like I don't know how to make this happen and the fact of the matter is she couldn't even if she wanted to she could never have made that happen that was up to Adam unfortunately another pressure on his poor back (laughs) yeah um yeah he yeah do you want to talk about Adam yeah Adam Adam I think is a really interesting character in terms of how you feel about him i think you can easily just hate him and you know he's horrible or you can hate him and you know feel some pity for him which is what i feel i don't Mm. know about you is that yeah you're nodding so yeah that's you um in the beginning of when they first met i really thought that 
things were going to be good between them yeah. because that first interaction when they um when they first had time alone they went i think they went to go and get her was it her visa or no her citizenship right because mm-hmm. they had gotten married so she could now become an american citizen so they went to israel and also the dynamic of like the conversation of like the israeli palestine like conflict, conflict was interesting yeah. yeah um talking like talk like not talking about that but like like how she she had conversation around that was interesting she like the way they talked it seemed like oh yeah there's a possibility they can really fall in love here they can be happy together if if not fall in love right Mm. they can have a good relationship a friendship at least yeah little did we know things would turn out so horribly and seeing when he beat her i was like oh no just because the first time they met and he tried to kiss her and she slapped him. He didn't do anything. So I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, this guy will definitely not beat her. Yeah. He beat her well, well. <laughs> yeah. He beat her so often that I was just like, I don't understand how the family watched this happen. And they just, like, you know, pretended like nothing was happening. Yeah. And, like, even encouraged her to hide it because it was um, Frida even encouraged her to hide her... Um, what is it her bruises because it was shameful yeah that she would even not shameful to him but shameful to her that she would present herself in that way and that she needed to cover her shame basically um i yeah it was just crazy to me that that whole dynamic with the family and that they never felt you know the need to do something even after he beat her to the point that she was in hysterics to the point that she just ran out ran out of the house yeah like and out she, of a window not the door guys out of the window she jumped out the window yeah in a frenzy not even knowing where she's she she was, she going. was going probably had been out of the house like two times <laughs> somebody could have kidnapped her like this is new york <laughs> that was really intense that that was the part that made me cry because he beat her so badly and I think the way that it was written was so good but that's why it's so triggering is because there's so much detail about how it happens like there's always this moment I think he he looks at her he'll look at her and we don't know we're never told like is he looking at her tenderly Um, I think she does mention like sometimes he looks at her like he hates her or something like that and he'll come he'll he'll two looks the look where he's coming to beat her and the look where he's coming to have sex with her that's yeah, about it yeah <laughs> exactly and but both of them are violent because when they do have sex exactly. it is not she doesn't like it she it's very it's, it's a not very pleasurable. it's a very abusive period abusive relationship and that moment when he beat her to the point where she ran away that was the part that made me cry because I just I I just wanted her to leave. I just wanted her as when she left the window, I was like, yes, this is the moment. Someone's going to find her. She's going to stand up for herself. She's going to report him and she'll be good. But no, she and was she just says the man comes yeah. up to her and he's like, "Are you okay? Yeah. You need to go to the hospital." And, and and she and he's like, "Oh, let me like give you quarters to call someone at the payphone and the only thing she can think of is to call like Farida, Farida and Khalid. And I'm, and I'm, it just breaks my heart that sometimes in these types of situations where there's so much shame and secrecy around the, the bad things going on in the household, the, the abuse, all the, you know, all the problems that can happen in a home when there's that secrecy and that shame, it makes it so that you can't tell anyone. You can't talk to anyone. Mm. You don't have any support systems. You, And it just it, it hurts my heart that there's so many people going through this where they just don't know who to turn to. They don't know where to go. And they feel helpless and like this is the only way to live. Mm. And nobody's helping them. Yeah yeah that was she was just really lonely and i think there was also that theme you know you talked earlier about the loneliest people alone yeah truly alone yeah the the people who are alone are the ones who reach for books and that was the moment where she couldn't even turn to people who could help her she had to turn to the people who were covering up her bruises the people who were just letting her be beat 
until she was actually beat to death. And that goes back to what Farida said, you know, culture has to be upheld, even if it means death, even if it means harm. It did. It did surprise me, though, that when they came to pick her up and the fool, Hallid, was attempting to blame her, like, why were you next to that man in the street and why did you go outside at night and trying to like turn it around on her to make it seem like she had done something wrong yeah even when you could literally see she looked a mess like that this man had beaten her to the point that she needed stitches and that she she was literally hysterical to like leave the house he was still trying to blame it on her and Farida stepped in at that moment, which um, really shocked me. I think that's the only time mm. that she really ever stood up for her, if you even think about it. And she was like, no, like, what are you talking about? How, take, he said, she said, look at this girl. Mm. She is, she's beaten to a pulp. Instead of you telling her all this nonsense, you need to go talk to your son yeah. and tell him to stop. And that this. was the like, moment where I felt like Farida showed her pain. Because I think she was feeling Isra's pain and what she had experienced. She could relate, mm-hmm. but that she was related. the first time. I, I feel bad that it, it had to get to that point for Farida to show her support. But I'm glad that she at least in that situation, because that was so bad, the way that he was blaming her. You're right. I, I even forgot that that happened. Even then, it, it was like a support that was like, okay, just this once, you know? Exactly. It wasn't something where she was going to truly make sure that this never happened again, mm. truly pursue this issue in yeah. the family. Um, yeah, and it, 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 reading, I always have a hard time reading books or like listening to books that come from the perspective of someone who's, you know, on the shy side or like, doesn't really stand up for themselves sometimes yeah. or doesn't know how to because I am I think I'm very I try to voice out my opinion and I'm very headstrong mm. and I think that like I think recently I realized that that might be because I was bullied as a kid like when I was younger oh. about being African yeah. and because of that I I think I just don't like I can't like if you tell me some shit I'm just gonna <laughs> pop off and I just can't and I just can't like be complacent and I can't you know pretend like things aren't happening when they're happening I will talk about it and I don't really care what most people will say because I think things need to be said sometimes Mm. and I just kept as I was reading I just kept hoping and wishing that Ezra would say something speak up for herself and when she finally tried to like speak up about the kids at the very least she was like oh for my kids at least yeah about their school and stuff and he that's i think that's one of the times like when he got over crazy and was like if you don't if you don't behave yourself i'm gonna he pulled her into their kids room and whilst they were sleeping and was like if I'll wake them up and, like, let them see you being beaten so they understand where a woman's place is. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. What is that? And she she was, you know, she immediately just wanted to not say anything again because, like, my children. Yeah. But it, I, I think it goes back, the fact that she didn't speak up goes back to where I come from. We've been taught that our silence will save us, you know, that we should yeah. not say anything. And that... that theme is really strong throughout the book even for Rita Mm -hmm. she's respecting a code of silence by not by not telling Adam to stop beating his wife you know she's which is terrible but that that is the reality of it right and Easter is also respecting that code of silence by not speaking up Um, and the one time that she did break that code of silence right that's when Adam was like really aggressive towards her so um yeah it's heartbreaking but um I think this book is all about like understanding that things are heartbreaking, but it's also the reality of the situation. Plus it doesn't being silent. Sometimes it feels like it's the the better thing to do, but it most of the time it doesn't change anything. Mm. Um, at some point in the book, she talks about how when he does give her these, these looks of, okay, is he about to, have sex with me which was basically rape like i feel like the whole of the time yeah those sex the sex scenes felt like rape to me yeah no they were they were (laughs) yeah but i think that when she knew oh he's gonna look at me in a certain type of way or he might come home drunk Mm. so let me try to cook 
for him like the best I can make it nice as nice as possible try to try to make things in a way where there's nothing he can be angry about in my direction there's no reason for him to beat me right she realized that it didn't matter what she did it just depended on him like whatever he wanted to do mm. is what would happen yeah. no matter what she did it would still happen if he wanted it to um and that's when she started i think i don't know if you remember this where she was like oh that in her little you know little way of rebelling she would overspice his food yes <laughs> she was like you know that's her little because <laughs> like yeah. you're annoying her i remember and she would overspice his food and stuff like that and I'm just and then she, I think she talked about I think she, again she said this with Hallie that like most of the time she was around him she tried to be really quiet and you know not not even to let him see her kind of like how she used to do with her dad back mm. home because her dad was really aggressive and would beat her mom and I think had beaten her a few times yeah maybe too yeah so that that was interesting to me to see that like she herself even realized that no matter what I do this is still going to happen so mm. so to me that like for me that would have just been like okay I might as well do what I need to do then because either way I'm gonna be in the like in the wrong I'm gonna have pain either way yeah you know and I remember when Farida said to her, no matter if you leave Palestine, a woman will always be a woman, even in America. And that's exactly what she experienced, even though she had hope that it would be and different. And her mom who said it. Yeah, her mom said her. It was her mom who said it. Yeah. Um, even though she had hope that it would be different. And she, I think she kept hoping every day that was not the case. And I think it's tricky because if Farida had not, had such a cultural hold uh over Isra she would have been able to experience some of the freedom that comes with being in America versus being in the Middle East because Dea did experience that so I think it's not that a woman is is always a woman wherever she is it's that the culture is the one that's holding that kind of womanhood um within so yeah I thought that was really interesting book is just so there's just so much depth to it yeah and because there are three characters to focus on three main characters not even including adam nadine there was a character named nadine although it was a different spelling (laughs) when when i realized that there was a nadine in the book i was like oh yeah this is my name because you know i know my name has like um muslim like arabic roots yeah but you know yeah okay final question which i've been dying to discuss with you why did adam kill isra if for those who don't know adam who is isra's husband murdered her and we only found out about that towards the end of the book and that was the only reason why Dea was able to escape because I think if if she hadn't found out about that she would have been under Farida's hold but the fact that that came out she wouldn't have wanted to to go again she would have been too scared exactly but now she was like after that happened you know I had all these memories of my mom now this is what happened like my own father killed my mom like hell no yeah hell no yeah and I think it made her realize that Farida had high I just realized she was gaslighting her that whole time. Exactly. Yeah. She was gaslighting her. She made her think that she was crazy to believe that something had happened to her parents that, you know, was not an accident. Just being in a car crash. Um, Remember where she was like, oh, did my mom commit suicide? And Farida was like, shook, like, what? Why would you think that? That's crazy. And I'm just over here, like, at the end, like, no wonder she was scared. She was like, you're getting too close to like... Yeah, because her dad you know, committed suicide. Right but yeah, why do you think Adam Ugh. killed Isra? Okay, I told you that my suspicions was that... Okay, there was a chapter where she was talking to Sarah and she... 
you know, I think she was telling her about her parents, and that's when, um, and she was asking Dea, what do you remember from the last day that you spent with your parents? Saying, oh, she just remembered going on a picnic, and that was it. And, you know, sometimes when you're a kid, your memories are really messed, you know, jumbled up, and it takes truly sitting down and, like, taking that time to really try to remember it before you remember things that you know you never would have details you never would have thought of Um, yeah and that's when she's like oh yeah my mom picked us up that day me and nora her younger sister who's the second eldest her mom picked them up that day they went to the subway and you know she was like this is weird because they never did that and um they met their dad Mm to go to the park mm-hmm. after they got on the subway and then at the end of the book and this is like this is me just trying to make connections at yeah. the end of the book isra says you know what she she's going to pick like she's gonna leave basically she's telling us that she's gonna leave because she's decided that this man is gonna kill her and she doesn't want her to kill her she doesn't want want to die she doesn't want to die she doesn't want to live this way she's decided that if she's gonna try and do any do something you know at least for her daughters so she picks up her daughters from the bus her two daughters and she has her other two younger daughters with her in the stroller and she goes to the subway that she's never been on guys all this time in new york all this time in america (laughs) and she has four kids already she's 21 i believe or 22 at this point I don't know. Yeah. And that's crazy to me. Four kids at 21. I know. Guys, like, yeah. my, my my abdomen, my vagina, ow. Like, no. <laughs> no, guys, no. I couldn't. I really couldn't. Um, not ready for that at all. And she goes to, she goes, like, she's so brave. She's so brave. She goes there and she's yeah. just like, I'll figure it out. She gets her, um you know her coins and the lady in the booth is talking to her like she's an idiot <laughs> like she doesn't understand english and yeah and then she gets she, she she's waiting for the subway and as the subway doors open and and the crazy thing is she says that if he catches me she knows that if he catches me i am dead like he's going to kill me she says it that if he knows what i've done yeah and finds me he will kill me that's what she tells us just before um she's like yeah just before the doors open she's you know she tells us this and she's like she's so happy that she's finally doing this and she felt so happy and like she felt good and the doors open and adam is there isn't that what happened no oh, no, he no wasn't sorry there. sorry the doors open no no i'm sorry that's me making <laughs> No, the doors open, and then the doors open. That was it, right? That's how they that the author ended the book, which I think was so cliff. I think she got in. Yeah, they. She got in. She got in, but like they didn't really tell us what happened, like whether she reached her destination or what. They just say, "Oh yeah, yeah. and she's gonna." She yeah. said she wants to ride the stop until she's far away from their area, basically. Um, yeah, and I really think that. That those two scenes, the scene Dea recalled and the scene the mother ended with, they're the same day and the same event. And I think that's what mm. happened. And the man killed her because she tried to run away with mm. his kids. <laughs> yeah. He definitely saw them at some point. Or she got, maybe she got to the end and then she chickened out like she did before. You and know, she, she was back. like overwhelmed because then she didn't know yeah then she went back no mm-mm, i don't believe it i think the man <laughs> caught that's her. what i think I, th- I think he caught her and he pretended it was all good and they went to the park simply so the kids wouldn't see how angry he was so he took them to the park pretended like it's mm-hmm. all good let's just have a picnic and I remember Dea saying yeah. that, that day at the picnic, like, their parents were not, like, talking. They just looked so unhappy with each other. But then they were being, like, nice to the kids. He probably took her home after that. 
you know, drunk a little alcohol, blasted her a little bit before blasted is like Gunyan slang for like shouted at her, you know, really shouted at oh, her. Yeah. And, um, you know, gave it to her. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, with the shouting. And then mm. probably beat her till he was blue in the face because he was so angry and did not realize that he was literally beating her to her death and became overcome with grief and went to go and kill himself at the place that he told Mm. her was his favorite place i think maybe he was going just to calm down and then he just like i can't do it i can't take it and he just because he was also under a lot of pressure from his family to take care of everyone and so after he realized that he killed his wife, he went there maybe no. to just calm down or to say, like, what can I do? And oh then no. he saw the bridge. I think like, he went there because he I was like, no, it. I'm done. My parents and, like, my family are mm-hmm. using me, like, a, working me like a mule. I just unfortunately, you know, killed my wife accidentally or not accidentally. I have no idea. But I think he went there mm. knowing, like, he was done probably. That's quite pessimistic of me, but mm. I think he was going through a very hard time as well in a different way, you know? Yeah, that was quite an intense part. But yeah, I guess we'll never know unless the author told other people in an interview. I guess everything is up for interpretation. But just to wrap up, I remember seeing this quote. The author said, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it said, it took more than one woman to do things differently. It took a world of them. And that line really spoke to me because this family is a is a community in itself. And then they also have the other women in the Palestinian American community. And it takes so many generations to get things done. And in this book, that was the case. Like it took Farida coming to America, Isra trying to run away, and then Dea um, rebelling and Sarah rebelling as well. And now her sisters are going to have to do and the Nadine same. And so. thriving. And Nadine, yeah. Nadine was doing really well. So it didn't just take... it. it the change couldn't have been made with just one of them. It had to be one who passed on her strength to the other to the other until someone finally was able to break through. So I thought that was really interesting. Like what would have happened if Farida, when when she welcomed her into her house, what would have happened if she just supported her no matter what? Yeah. If she, her husband, well, let's not involve the men. If she, yeah. <laughs> her um, her daughter, Sarah, um, her new, new in-law and, like, sister-in-law, um, Nadine had all supported her um, mm. by, like, helping her take care of their kids. What if they helped, you know, take care of each other's kids? Yeah. What if um, she, you know, helped take care of her grandchildren while the mother was still alive? Yeah. Um, helped her out. What if they all, like, did the cooking together in, like, in community and, you know, happy, in a happy way? And what if they... What if they stuck up for each other when they saw men maltreating each other? Mm. What if they told Adam, like, hey, you need to stop drinking and stop beating your wife and, like, be better for your wife and your kids? Yeah. Because they realize, like, hey, sometimes people need help and not everybody's always brave enough to say it or do it on their exactly. own. Like, yeah. And it it really, I wish Farida would have because Farida was able to do that for herself when her husband, Halid, who had also had a drinking problem was like an alcoholic and yeah. was spending all their money and basically running them into the ground she was able to stick up for herself even though she knew he would beat her and then based off of that interaction their whole relationship changed and mm. you know she became like not only a supporting figure but like someone who really made decisions and guided yeah. their family yeah and she could have done that for as helped Ezra do that so then Ezra could have lived a life where you know maybe she wouldn't have been beaten and um she would have had some uh, autonomy yeah that's true yeah it was a very heavy book but I think it's such an important read and so if you are reading along or if you did read along with Nadine and I thank you and thank you Nadine for coming onto the podcast to have such a great discussion with me honestly the book was so good another thing that I think shout out to the production the publishing company and the production yeah. the audio production that they used um voice actors who truly did have like um an arabic 
sounding accent in the way that mm-hmm. they spoke the English um, that they were speaking. And yeah. they really were specific with the voice actors that they chose. I appreciated that. I appreciated all the cultural tidbits, you know, the words, the the description of Palestine mm. and the, the Israeli conflict and um, the nature and everything. Everything was so good in the book. The book was really yeah. good. But yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for your time and for your thoughtful answers. Thank you, Manjule, for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed the book and the discussion. This was so lovely. All right, listeners. Thanks so much for spending some of your precious time with me throughout this episode. As always, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow and other things on Instagram at and other things potty for more valuable content. This podcast was written, hosted and produced by me. Have a most magnificent day.